0: Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, certified financial planner, owner and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. I'm pleased to have as a guest with me today um, someone who I have known for almost my entire life, and quite frankly, one of my best friends growing up, who is now um, fairly high up the food chain at Merck. And this is Sean Montague. Sean, welcome to my show. Thank you very much for taking the time and being on my shelf.
1: You've been, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to see you again. I'm looking forward to our discussion today.
0: Good, good. Well, so I'm going to go completely off the record, and I don't know if you know this or not. You know, just think of the child's mind. I remember I was like nine years old, and when I was going to run away from home, and I would stay in your garage, okay, and then take the school bus from your house to school and back again, and of course my parents would never know. <laughs> <laughs> the mind of a nine-year-old, right? <laughs> so Damn. wonderful times. Brother. It is, you know, lots, lots of, lots of memories. But um, you know, so we kind of lost track once we got into high school and left high school. And so, strange, you went to NC State. No, just for the for the for the viewers. Uh, Sean and I grew up in upstate New York, and you know, upon graduation, Sean, you went to NC State. Why NC State? I mean, I don't think of NC State and chances are you're the only person from our high school that went there.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, So it's a great question. Early on in the 70s and and early 80s, we graduated in 82 from high school. um, There was a tremendous push at the time by NASA to put the space shuttle uh, into space and to be able to create the International Space Station. And we had, uh, you know, that was back in the days where folks used to tour and ultimately come by our, our schools. And I think it was in middle school, an individual from NASA came by and talked about the space shuttle program and what they were going to do with it and what it was going to look like and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I decided even right then and there that what I wanted to do was be an aerospace engineer. And so <clears throat> by the time I was getting ready to graduate, 1982 from high school, I, I had not being a proactive person at the time, I ended up not going to my counselor, my guidance counselor until, I think it was March of 82. And I said, look, I, I really want to go to college for aerospace engineering, and I've got to pay my own way through school. I'm, I'm one of six kids and our, our family uh, uh, grew up very, very blue collar. And uh, as a result, I asked my guidance counselor, can you find me the cheapest engineering school on the East Coast that offers aerospace engineering? And I'll never forget it because she went to her little computer, which was a brand new thing at the time. It had that little green blinking cursor there in the top left corner. And she entered her her commands into it. And before I knew it, that dot matrix printer, tractor feed printer was printing out some some school names. and, And she ripped it off and handed it to me. And the first school on the list was NC State. And I said to her, that's where I'm going, NC State. And she said well you haven't even evaluated the schools i said well it's the cheapest and i gotta pay my way so that's where i'm back so, you know, that, that was what uh, made my decision for me and i ended up uh, uh, applying and i got in unfortunately the uh the aerospace engineering program was slammed when i applied because i was so late applying they said you know what we we want you to come to our school but we don't have a slot in aerospace engineering but we can likely make a slot in mechanical engineering but certainly in industrial engineering so I originally went in uh, in industrial engineering and
0: eventually transferred over into mechanical engineering oh that's good well i know another school that was cheaper than nc state and now is the naval academy they had aer- aeronautical engineering <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, you know, to, to get to the Babel Academy, I needed to have your grades so on, my friend. Yeah, you needed to have your head examined to go there, is what you really needed, <laughs> but that's a separate issue. Right. So, anyway, all good. I'm glad to hear that because you were telling me that there was a story about going to NC State. So, yeah. and so it just, this is going to blow me. Uh, so, do you remember how much it cost? i do so each semester and this was out
1: of state tuition each semester cost me just over fifteen hundred dollars oh. full-time <laughs> credits and uh and uh, i lived off campus in a really cheap house uh my, my brother and i ended up renting together and you know we split the at 250 a month and we made ends meet you know so it was uh <laughs> it was wonderful i uh uh, you know, with books and everything, I don't think I, I put out more than two thousand dollars uh, a semester. Out of that school. is
0: amazing, and, and I think you're aware how much college costs today, right? Exactly. Absolutely it's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So after NC State, so you graduated. What did you say? Mechanical engineering or industrial? Yeah. So
1: I went. I only went to state for two years, and and I decided, hey, when I graduate from here, I'm going to make about thirty grand a year. And at the time I was working as a laborer in construction and I was, I was pulling in 12 bucks an hour, which, you know, round figures was 25, 26,000 a year, you know? And I thought, why do I want to pound out school when I'm already making 25, 26,000 a year in construction. And so consequently in E four, I dropped out of NC state went full-time in construction in residential construction. And by 1989, 1990, I realized what a mistake that was. Uh, it was a, what a backbreaking job it was that I had in residential construction. And ultimately uh, realized I needed to go back to school, get a degree, work a job that I could work 40, 50 hours a week and make ends meet. Cause at the time we had two children and I was having to work 70 or 80 hours a week to make ends meet and uh, it was just backbreak work. So so um, in 1990 i got the opportunity to go to work with GlaxoSmithKline at the time they were just Glaxo which is a large pharmaceutical company and i went to work uh, with them in their maintenance and operations department Uh, so what that afforded me was an opportunity not only to work 45 or 50 hours a week and make ends meet but it allowed me to go back to night school and so 90 through 95, I went back to high school and graduated with, with my mechanical engineering degree in '95. You. So you know it was uh, it was great to have that uh, to have that
0: opportunity. Good for you. Well, you know what? One of the things that I found is that people who go back to school go back to school because they want to go. And exactly. I, I'm sure that you found when you went back to school and you were you know knocking on the door of your late 20s that yep. your attitude towards school was rather different, and you felt like the old guy there
1: yeah exactly right and i wanted to be there as you said my my grades at nc state continues to drop down semester by semester uh when i went back to school uh, it was evident that i just simply didn't want to be there when i went back to school in 1990 it was with a purpose it was with a passion it was with a focused effort and i and i ended up uh, graduating with uh, with a
0: 4 yeah good for you Congratulations. So, did you, yeah, did you finish a- at nc state or did you go to another school I went to Wake, a local community college, Wake Tech, graduated with an associate's degree in mechanical engineering. Okay, good for you. So then yep. you went, did you, you so you're still GlaxoSmithKline then?
1: So that was with the GlaxoSmithKline, that's right. In
0: 95, I, uh, when I graduated with my
1: mechanical engineering degree, uh, I ended up having an opportunity to go to work with a, with another company that was, that was a consulting company for BlaxoSmithClient at the time. Uh, They had contacted me and, and, and as a result, I ended up taking uh, an opportunity to go to work for a small construction management firm uh, that, that built pharmaceutical facilities. So I had the background. a little bit of education had background in pharmaceuticals both on the maintenance side as well as on the operation side and and then this company did construction for the pharma industry so with those with that kind of a background it ended up creating a great opportunity for me within the company so i entered the company in 95 at at an entry level Um, with that history and background i quickly found that many of the people i worked with didn't understand the operation and or maintenance of a pharmaceutical facility. And as a result, they're building facilities that they didn't quite understand uh, the the intricacies of operating. Who wasn't? I'm sorry to
0: interrupt, Sean. But when you reference who didn't, you, you think that the pharmaceutical companies didn't understand or the people from the company that you worked with?
1: Yeah, the people that I worked with at, at the company's name was Yonkers. Industries. Yeah, it was Yonkers.
0: I was going to ask you if it was Yonkers. Right, they,
1: uh, Yonkers Industries was the company I worked for. And many of the folks within that company were great constructors, uh, great project managers, but what they didn't understand was the ultimate output that we were creating manufacturing facilities for pharmaceutical companies, to manufacture products for patients. I, I had that insight and understanding and as a result, when when it came to the design of the facilities and the construction, and ultimately the commissioning and validation of those facilities, I was able to take that experience from the previous five, six years and apply it to the, now the design and, and the construction of these facilities. And as a result, I, I rapidly uh, uh, rose within Yonkers Industries because of that insight and knowledge. For me, that was a life lesson. Essentially, I noted that everything I did in life up to that point had now culminated in this point of opportunity for me uh, to really grow. So, everything you do in life prepares you for the next thing you're going
0: to do in life. Is I what I there's found. no doubt, and it's yeah. a great recognition That's to have right. along the way. That's right.
1: It, it has served me very, very well over the years, and and uh, you know, I, I, I really look back on many of those early years. In construction, as well as in school, and and ultimately in maintenance of uh, pharma facilities. So, so then you know I worked with uh, Yonkers Industries for nearly twenty years. Uh, the company ended up being bought by a large uh, engineering construction company, a worldwide uh, firm, uh, bought us. Uh, we were we were an upcoming firm, and and at that point I had moved through the ranks. I started at an entry level when I joined the company in ninety five by 2015 I was now at the senior vice president level within that company um, and it was evident that they were moving in with their own management team with their own management style and, and approach to, to managing our company and, and the way we did things which was very counterproductive I felt yeah so yeah as a result I, I ended up uh, uh, resigning and uh, left the company and and, uh, you know, uh, went went <coughs> worked with two other firms in the interim, but uh, ultimately. Oh, you man, go straight
0: to Merck from there?
1: Yeah, I went uh, ultimately to Merck in 2018. February of 2018, okay. I joined
0: Merck directly. Three years. I'll tell you what, Sean, uh, we're at a point where we're taking a break. And right. so uh, we'll be back in, in a few moments. Uh, see you in a couple minutes. You bet. Thanks, Mike.
1: Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future?
0: Hi, I'm Mike Meninger, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary, no-obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained, and I'm here with my guest, Sean Montague, who's I'm not sure what your title is, engineering director at Merck. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna pick up where we left off, Sean. I know we we're talking about, you're just transitioning over to Merck after Yonkers was bought out by a larger company. But something that really struck me, and, and this is just life experience, business experience, whatever the case you wanna call it, is that you brought value to Yonkers because they're doing all these construction uh, at projects at pharmaceutical facilities, but you came in with the pharmaceutical experience, and That's so correct. you really elevated what Yonkers was able to do. Correct? Yeah, yeah.
1: So because of that experience, we were able to improve uh, ultimately the outcome of projects uh, through uh, the adaptation of design to better to better afford the operations and the manufacturing of pharmaceutical projects to our clients. Uh, I was able to take that experience and apply it uh, not only to the design, but ultimately to the construction of facilities. So that when we turn the facilities over to our clients, that they were able to utilize the facilities in their configuration. Oftentimes, constructors don't understand the end output of a facility, a complex facility, like a farm manufacturing facility. And so by having that experience, I was able to embed that into the design early on and that we were able to uh, ultimately deliver it with the the facilities we built.
0: Oh, you know, when you put your rear view mirror glasses on for a moment, it makes you scratch your head and wonder how did they do it before you brought that experience to the table?
1: Well, yeah, what what often happened on projects, and it wasn't just me, it was, you, you have to bring key members onto the team that understand the operation of the facility. Many of our clients didn't have the personnel available to put onto our projects to, to guide and mentor the design and the construction of the facility so it best fitted the, uh, their operational aspect. And as a result, we would often turn facilities over only to learn after the fact that they really didn't work for our clients effectively. The clients had to make them work, they had to modify the facility app, oftentimes after we left, in, in order to make, them, uh, make the process flow more efficiently and smoothly. So uh, by now, uh, with that experience, we were able to get it right the first time, apply you know, lean principles to the project and the design and construction, and get the, get the flow right from the start, and, and ultimately get the, uh, the maintenance of the facility, um, and build the facility with the end goal in mind, which is the operation and maintenance of that facility. So it worked very well. And so one of those clients that we worked for was Merck. And- Was that uh, the Puerto
0: Rico project? I'm sorry? Was that Puerto Rico?
1: Yeah, so my first project with Merck was in Durham, North Carolina, at their uh, at their manufacturing facility there. That was in 2007, and uh, we built a new manufacturing vaccine manufacturing building for them at that campus. And uh, because that project went so well, uh, they invited us to build other projects for them in, in Puerto Rico, as well as throughout the United States. And and consequently, uh, we really became. Deeply embedded with Merck as a client, I got to know many of the people within Merck uh, that are now, you know, they were back at that time, they were at project-level positions, but today they're in senior management-level positions. And and consequently, once I left Yonkers Industries, uh, one of the the folks that reached out to me was one of those project managers I had worked with in the past at Merck and was now uh, Senior Director of Engineering, and he asked if I'd be interested in joining the company
0: So. That worked out well because I know uh, since we've talked over the last three years, you have nothing but positive things to say about Mark, just philosophically yeah. and, and you know, the, 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 how the firm is, how they are. I mean, you just tell me about Mark. I mean Yeah,
1: yeah, so in my career, I worked uh, as a consultant for 20 or so different uh, um, manufacturing I'm sorry, pharmaceutical companies, and uh, of all those companies. Merck, to me was the bright shining star. They they truly, when it came to engineering and construction, they truly had uh, their act together. and They truly had a, a great plan, a great program, great set of standards to work by, and and so I often thought, you know, if I ever left the consulting side, that'd be a, a firm I'd want to go to work with, and and now that I've joined the company, it's only confirmed that that was the right decision, and and I. I've mentioned, uh, you know, in our conversations in the past, that you know it was really refreshing to walk in the door uh, of our of our main office building, and there's a quote from George Merck, the founder of Merck, on the wall there uh, to the left as you walk in, and and <clears throat> its focus is on our patients, and, and it says if we take care of our patients, profits will take care of themselves, and and it's a point that strikes me well as I, as, I work, as I go to work each day, because it's very easy to do your job and do it effectively if your focus is on patients rather than your focus being on profits. One of the reasons I left uh, the, the Yonkers Industries, which was ultimately bought by Foster Wheeler, was because our focus left our customers and instead became on our profits. And it was very, very frustrating to me. So so to keep your focus on your patients, in, in our case at Merck, is, is such an easy principle. I could, you can always ask your questions. What's in the best interest of the patient when it comes to this project that I'm working on
0: now? You know, I can't tell you, Sean, how much parallel that is with my business. You know, If yep. you always take care of you service, the client, everything else falls into place. So I'm a believer in the same thing. So. When you say you walk into the main building, you've been working from home, haven't you, since, since 2018 when you joined Merck? No,
1: no, I, uh, I've been, so today I'm at home, but, uh, but for the most part, because my, uh, uh, as director of engineering, I'm focused on capital projects. So our new buildings, our new facilities, our, our, our new manufacturing projects, as well as renovation of existing facilities, Um, And and in order to do that job effectively, I have to be on site with our project teams. And so, uh, you know, even in the midst of COVID, uh, I probably have worked at home over the last year and a half, less than than three weeks, all in. It's not
0: been- uh, Well, it's because uh, you were fortunate enough to have a project nearby your house. That can't always be the case. I thought you were more of a manager of multiple projects at the same time. What if your project is somewhere else?
1: Yeah, so uh, when I first joined the company, uh, I was uh, helping to support and oversee projects throughout the United States. And I would, I'd fly, uh, and whether it was Nebraska or it was Kansas or it was New Jersey or, or Virginia or North Carolina, I, I was moving around all the time early on. Once COVID hit, our company shut all travel down to minimize uh, the potential uh, for, for exposure to COVID. And what we did was we got very focused. Anyone that could work from home, work from home, folks that had to be at site uh, to work had to get special permission or provision to be there. And then then we got very, very focused with our groups on each project. So essentially, we create islands on any given site where each project group would stay, if you will, within their own zone and work in that zone. And in doing that, we were able to minimize the potential for COVID transfer from one, uh, one project to another, or one area to another within the site. So the last year and a half, I have been at, yeah, at the Durham, North Carolina site, working there on projects.
0: So, how often do you have to come up to, what, we, we're, back up, you say your main office, do you go to the Durham facility or do you come up to West Point in Pennsylvania? What, yeah. How often do you come into those? Yeah, so
1: so West Point is our our headquarters for our global engineering uh, solutions team. That's where, that's where the majority of them are. However, uh, we uh, we as a group uh, in in Durham, we we manage projects in the Southeast U.S. So we tend to stay within the Southeast U.S. I tend to only visit West Point. Oh, uh, once or twice a year prior to uh, prior to. Uh, prior to COVID, anyway, I haven't, been, I haven't traveled for the last year and a half, though. At least corporately, I haven't traveled for the last year and a half. And and because of growth, I mean, Merck as a company has grown dramatically in the last five years. oh well, certainly in the last three years, and, and will continue to grow. Merck has next- grown
0: that big, you're saying, in just a few <laughs> years? Wow. Okay, I'm kind of surprised. You usually don't see big corporations like that. But, you know, referencing something you just said about working from home, I was mm-hmm. thinking from a Merck perspective that um, a very large percentage, whatever that might be, would be either research scientists who need to be in the lab or the people who are manufacturing whatever pills or whatever it is that you make would represent a, a pretty large percentage of the workforce at Merck. Yeah, so it, they do. But uh, it's kind of like uh,
1: they're the frontline line workers, if you yeah, will. Yeah. It takes an army behind them and support services to keep them in uh, doing what they do effectively. And and many of those support services groups are the ones that work from home. So I I would imagine that uh, 30 or 40% of Merck employees work at the sites and the balance work from home, but I'm just taking a guess at that.
0: So you're now on the other side of the table. I know years and years ago when I used to be in my first life when I was uh, an environmental engineering consultant, much like you were at Yonkers, you always thought about everybody always wanted to be on the other side, the corporate side, the people who tell the consultants what to do. Um, I have to, I can't can't ask you which is better because otherwise that wouldn't be the right thing to do. So uh, you're on this side of the table now. So I'm sure during the course of your career, whether it be at Merck or you you manage the folks like, Yonkers, like you used to be the Yonkers guy, you manage them now. You have to have some good stories. You got a good story during your career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) Tell me me a story. It's probably a Yonkers story because that's where you spent 20 years.
1: uh, Yeah,
0: (laughs) we we, Uh we do have many, many
1: stories to tell. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I I, I think back, um, uh, about the time we were doing a project um, in Sanford North Carolina and uh, uh, we had uh, we had two steel workers getting a fight on the project and unfortunately uh, that, that's you know, that's 20 years ago but uh, we we broke it up. the superintendent broke it up got the guys uh, back to work came into my office. I was the project manager on the project and mentioned yeah I had uh, had problems on the job earlier today. two steel workers got into it I break them up. I said, have you removed them from the project? He said, no, no, they dusted themselves off and they got back to work, everything's fine. I said, John, we can't do that. We have to remove those workers from the job. You need to give me an incident report on what happened, why it happened, and what we're going to do about it for corrective actions. He grumbled and he walked off. Uh, It was a time when we used to smoke on our job sites. He had a cigar in his mouth and walked out of the trailer, came back in a half an hour later, threw the incident report on my desk, so there you go, there's the incident report. And as I read through it, and uh, the cause of the fight was one steel worker told the other steel worker to do something that was physically impossible. I had to think about that a minute, but once I got it, I couldn't stop laughing. So uh, anyway, at that point, oh, I was like, people... okay,
0: I was... all right, I got it now. Is that hermaphrodite <laughs> kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we all laughed about it and went back to work, and we got over it, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, God. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Sean, I, you, I have to tell you, you know, first of all, I could spend half an hour just going over uh, stories of us as kids, um, the silly things we did, jumping off bridges. Yeah. I'm sure you remember that. I um, do, I do. <laughs> But uh, you know, I've been following your career because you know we, we got back together again after 20 years of uh, our 20 year reunion, actually. And you know, it's great to have reconnected with you over these years. And I've watched you through the Yonkers and the Merck and all that, and, it, and it's just been a wonderful following through with you. And ever since you joined Merck, I was so happy for you, and just I could tell the bounce in your step, just in your voice as to how much you enjoy where you are, and I'm very, very happy for you for that. I sure do, yeah. Is there anything you want to share before uh, I cut you off? <laughs> yeah,
1: no, just, just what I said earlier, just to everybody listening, whatever you do in life prepares you for that next thing you're going to do in life. Never forget that because you'll be going through tough times, think this is something I'll never use, but trust me, it it will come into play in your future. And if you'll apply it to yourself, it'll help you grow and and be better at what you do in the long
0: run. So, Well, thank you for that message, Sean. And I wish to thank everyone for joining us with this episode um, of this week's episode of Financial Planning Explained. Uh, Next week, I have a guest that's going to dovetail on Sean in uh, Bob Matchy, who is a consultant to the pharmaceutical industry who actually met Sean literally on an airplane, but since then they've done work together. So uh, stay tuned for next week. Thank you for joining us this week and we will see you next week. Have a wonderful week.